0: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Catching Up to Everyone. I'm your host, Brian Janot, and I want to take this time to thank you for listening to this episode. Today I'll be discussing the music of contemporary Christian music artist, Carmen. Why am I discussing Carmen? (laughs) Well, because when I created this podcast, I wanted to talk about the music and the movies and the video games and the pop culture that had an influence on me whether i enjoyed it for a season or enjoyed it all my life or enjoyed it for years i wanted to talk about those things i think they're interesting and sometimes you just <laughs> you gotta go back to the vault and look at some of the stuff that truly influenced you that you truly enjoyed that you you don't really enjoy that much anymore, and and Carmen is one of those things. I grew up in an evangelical Christian home, and Carmen's music, we listen to it a lot. We listen to a lot of Carmen, a lot of Petra, Imperials, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, and maybe someday I'll get to some of those bands or artists and discuss their influence that they had on me. But today we're discussing Carmen, who at one time, he was my favorite artist in grade school. He, he hit, hit Carmen and Petra. Those were the, the two that I loved the most. I listened to a lot. And so Carmen has, has recently passed away a few years ago due to cancer. And uh, you know, I, I I just wanted to take, a, take an episode to just kind of go over his music. And just kind of reflect on that time in my life where his music meant a lot to me. Um, it's been quite the interesting ride listening to some of these songs today at the age of 41. Because some of them are still not that bad. A lot of them, mm, it's it's not something I ever <laughs> want to listen to now. So today we're going to discuss that. And... I think this is going to be a fun episode, and it's going to be an honest episode. Um, You know, I'm not the person I was when I was eight years old, and I think that's a good thing. (laughs) So, come join me on today's journey where we discuss the music and influence of Carmen. I first became aware of Carmen's music when I was in the second grade. I was on a bus trip to what was called the Awana Olympics. For those of you who have no idea what that is, Awana, it's a program. It's like a church program. It's kind of like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. Kids wear vests. <laughs> um it's separated by age group and you play games, you listen to, you know, teaching time. You have time where you you have books and you memorize Bible verses, and you have these like little plastic crowns that would go on your uniform. And if you memorized enough Bible verses, you'd get jewels to fill up the crowns. And at the end of the year, they'd have a little awards ceremony if you completed your book. And they also had Awana Olympics, which was they would take uh, groups of church groups from around the area, and they'd compete to win something. I don't <laughs> I don't know what you would win because we got crushed every single year in the Iwana Olympics. <laughs> I don't I don't remember sticking around to the end to find out what you got when you won. <laughs> you always got destroyed. But I was on a bus trip and someone had a a boombox. You know, this is like 1989. So boomboxes were the thing and they had a cassette tape of The Champion by Carmen. And I liked the songs, I thought it was good, it was pop music, pretty much. But it was Christian, and one song in particular I thought was really interesting, and it was a song called The Champion. And The Champion's basically this song, <laughs> it's a story song, uh, it it's about basically the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, but it's through the lens of like a boxing match, where, you know, Satan's got Jesus on the ropes, (laughs) and the count's going on, but the count's backwards. It's not one, you know, ten to one. It's like one to ten or whatever. Or is it no? Instead of counting from one to ten in a boxing match, they count from ten down to one, and signifying that it's you know he's coming back. It's an interesting song. It's it's a weird song, but I liked it. You know, that might have been the start of my love for concept albums and story songs. But um, I ended up getting that tape, and shortly after that, my parents ended up getting a couple more Carmen tapes, because back in this time, we didn't listen to a lot of music, but when we did, we always listened to music in the car. So we listened to a lot of cassettes. CDs weren't as popular at this point in time. I mean, I, I didn't even get a CD player until I was in my teens. So I I rocked cassettes for a, a, a big portion of my youth, and I still listen to cassettes to this day because my car has a cassette tape player in it, and I still will you know bust out the old cassettes. But we we listened to a lot of Carmen, and yeah, I even in third grade I <laughs> we in class we had some I don't remember what what the thing was, but I was allowed to lip sync some songs. I think we had like some sort of talent week in our class or talent show or something, and I lip-synced to a Carmen song called Spirit-Filled Pizza, which was off of his Coming On Strong album. And then I, I, I was surprised that the class liked it. Um, I should probably take some time to describe Carmen's music to those of you who have no clue what his music is about. I said it, you know the champion had some pop and some rock on it but Carmen's music was very evangelistic in the sense that every single song was either a tale a story a ballad about Jesus like it was like it was either about bible study or the ballads were just so dramatic about just, Lord, fill me with your love. Like, help me reach these people. Like, (laughs) you... He was very... um, um, heavy-handed with his analogies. (laughs) Like, everything was about God is coming. The Lord wants you. Jesus loves you. Like, very heavy-handed. And Carmen, you know, he had a personality too. It wasn't... Just some guy yelling, like beating over the head with his message. He had a, a cheesy cornball delivery to a lot of his stuff too. Like especially as a kid. Oop, oh, laundry's done. <laughs> that was loud. Can tell this is not a professional podcast yet? <laughs> But Carmen he you know he had a personality and he let that through in all in all his songs. And a lot of his appeal I believe was because of his personality. You know he'd wear like starting out in his early career he'd yell he'd wear the just like a typical 80s almost track suit and then he graduated to like kind of a not a suit and tie but like a nice jacket. And he you know he his his concerts were Basically just him and a backing track. You know, you can't you can't sell out stadiums or at least, you know, arenas, small arenas, and be a boring guy. Like there there's a personality behind him too, and that personality definitely came out. And I will say to his credit, there's a genius involved in some of Carmen's music too. The album the nineteen eighty eight album Radically Saved, it's a live concert recording. However, it's a live concert recording of completely original songs. So, imagine a top band putting out a new album, like a cons a live concert recording of just original tunes. Like that takes guts. You know, you go to a concert, you want to hear the hits, you want to hear the songs that brought you there. And to put out a live recording and you know, and there's a live video too, it's not just live in the studio. Like this was a live show that he put out a whole bunch of new music, and a lot of those songs became some of his most famous songs. I mean Lord of All, he he'd play that a lot, Radically Saved, No Way We Are Not Ashamed. That was like a staple of, of Carmen's music. And there's also some of his cheesiness storytelling too. He had what was called the soap song on that. <laughs> album. And the soap song was basically it was a song that just referenced a whole bunch of soap operas in like a Christian-y way of you know, living for Jesus Christ the only guiding light not one, but all the days of our lives. Like, ha 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 get it? <laughs> it's cheesy, right? But that that was Carmen, you know? And around this time we actually got to see Carmen live because what was another thing that you got to give him credit for? Kind of a smart move. Carmen would put on free concerts, so when Carmen announces that you know, or you find out through the radio or whatever that Carmen's going to be at what was then the Rosemont Horizon, now the Allstate Arena, like it's a free show. All right, you can get the family together, and it just costs parking. So my family, we went and saw Carmen back in the late eighties, early nineties. It was probably like 89, 90. And when we got there, there was a, a stage that was set up with, you know, some stuff behind them, And there were so many people, they had to take out the backdrop so that the people in the seats behind him could see. Which was kind of cool, he didn't have to do that. But it ended up being, uh, it was either a sellout or close to a sellout. And Rosemont Horizon Allstate Arena now, like, holds like 15,000 people. So, I mean, they've had WrestleManias there, they've had big concerts there. Like, big bands have played there, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's free, but you also gotta have people want to go to your show, too. But that was also, another part of his draw, too, was, like I said, the evangelistic side of him, bring your unsaved friends, they're gonna hear about Jesus, and they're gonna have, you know, a good time at the concert. So, going to see Carmen, like, that was, it was kind of an event, It it was a thing, you know? And he put on a good show. It was just him, like I said, in a backing track, but it was entertaining. I, I I liked it. I always thought he did a good good performance. So then I remember the first time we saw him live, he played several songs that we didn't know. They were off of his newest album at the time, which was called Revival in the Land. And I remember the next day, <laughs> we bugged our parents to go to the Christian bookstore, and we ended up buying the tape and listening to it. And I was looking for that cassette um I was doing research on this again and I was like, I wonder if my parents still have that cassette and it ended up being thrown away. I guess years ago we, we threw out some stuff and it was so worn and chewed up that we didn't even say there's no point in saving it. I was hoping that that wasn't the case that I, I, you know, was mistaken, but nope. Turns out that we played that tape so many times (laughs) it just got worn and you had to throw it away. Revival on the Land was probably I would say it's not a perfect record but it's almost the perfect Carmen record because you have again the, the the serious songs you have the ballad like this blood which is a ballad about Jesus dying on the cross and it's an emotional song and it's one of his biggest ballads <clears throat> but it also has a song called Witch's Invitation which is a story song, which is basically just Carmen, like, talking over a beat (laughs) about this story about, according to the stories, a warlock, like, invited Carmen to his house and, like, challenged him. (laughs) Like, I did all these, I, you know, saved a woman with this druid chant, and I, you know, cursed someone with this, whatever, demonic ritual, and I'm so powerful, and then, Carmen came back, was like, "Well, my God, like it's more stronger than your God," and, "Ha ha, I win!" Like, <laughs> it's, it's this ridiculous song <laughs> that I'm not even sure really happened. Like, maybe it happened, but when you listen to the lyrics nowadays as an adult, like this this warlock, you know, he does this druid chant, and then he does this curse on a person. It's like, wait. So there's a warlock who's mixing white magic and black magic, like that and druid worship and this and that. Like it's just it sounds like it's the whole. Someone just took a whole bunch of stereotypes or a whole bunch of things they know about witchcraft and just threw it into this one character. But it could have happened. Who knows? But Revival in the Land, it was a it's probably. Yeah, I would say it's the perfect Carmen record. It, you get every side of Carmen. The songs aren't too bad, like there's obviously there's some cheesiness in there, you know. <laughs> there's the resurrection rap, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carmen, Carmen rapped, Carmen rapped, and it's it's not good. It's it's cheesy. A lot of word up, word up. It's. Fresh. <laughs> Some you know, Italian dude in his like late twenties, early thirties, like trying to show the kids that he's hip, right? Like the music video, it's almost like a a ripoff of the um beat it music video. You got the two rival gangs and it's it's the resurrection rap. It's about Jesus rising from the dead and his death and resurrection. Get it? The resurrection rap. Hey. I could probably still recite some of the verses, but I'm not going to. It's so ingrained in my head. But, like, as, you know, as goofy as that is, in a way, you kind of have to, like, give some respect to Carmen because he introduced rap into his music at a time where a lot of Christian music was very anti-rap, anti-heavy metal, and Carmen kind of, like, embraced that and threw those elements into his music. So, kind of a visionary in that respect because, I mean... Now everybody raps. They rap in country songs. Like, everybody rips off hip-hop nowadays. And Carmen was kind of on the... <laughs> the very cutting edge of that. Even though his rap... Like, if you... <laughs> if you listen... If you, li- <laughs> if you listen to any of Carmen's rap songs, because he has several of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you listen to any of Carmen's rap songs, it, it, <laughs> it reminds me of... Um, Uh, T-Pain has a podcast and he had an episode with Hannibal Burris, the comedian, and there's a clip you can find online of Hannibal Burris playing with a drum machine, he's like he's like hip hop, it started in the park (laughs) that's what it sounds like listening to Carmen rap, like, we do the dance and we shake hands (laughs) word up, it's fresh (laughs) our homeboy must be buggin' But when Christ talks, you best be chill. He makes the wind and the waves stand still. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And when you're in third and fourth grade and that's the only rap you can listen to, like, (laughs) take what you can get, right? So, So Carmen had a lot of a lot of niche songs, Uh, you know, he had these serious ballads, you know, he had a beautiful voice, the guy can sing, but he'd go into full cornball mode, and he was unapologetic about it, like, you kind of have to respect a guy for just leaning into that, right? And at least, excuse me, at least in that point in time, it was... It came across more of like a spirit of fun, like, I want to reach these people with the gospel, so I will incorporate this music and do with it what I can. Like, we'll get into it later, but at least in this point in time, why I say Revival of the Land may be the perfect Carmen record is because there seems to be a genuine, I just want to reach people with the gospel, and this is what can help me do that. I don't think at that point in time Carmen thought he was a rapper. So, it, there's there's, you know, you can draw your own conclusion when you when you check out the stuff online. It's all available on YouTube. So, I recommend you listen to it. <laughs> Give it a shot. Tell me what you think. Uh, plug for catching up to everyone at gmail.com or my Instagram page. Let me know what you think. So we went to several Carmen concerts. And <laughs> what's interesting, like I mentioned Carmen's concerts, they were free, the minimalist production. But he'd also give an altar call at every concert too. And you you'd be surprised how many people would line up during the altar call to, to you know, whether they're you know, Dedicating their life to Christ, or they're becoming a new Christian, or whatever the, their deal is. Like there'll be a lot of people who stand in line, and that, like around the seventy percent portion of the concert, at the seventy percent mark, there'd be an altar call, and then you have like another twenty-five, thirty percent of the show left which I always felt kind of bad for those people who did the altar call. Because he'd say, like, you know, we're going to, if you just, right now, like, we'll take you to the back, and there'll be some people here. We'll be praying for you. They'll give you a Bible. Like, don't worry. You're not going to miss a whole lot of the show. But they'd miss, like, 15 minutes of the show. And then by the time they get back, there'll only be, like, three or four songs left. So, <laughs> like, I always felt kind of bad for those people. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, on the one hand, you know, like, yay, they're Christian. They saved, woo! On the other hand, ah, they're missing some of the show. That kind of (laughs) stinks. Another astounding thing that Carmen did was he passed the plate around. And you'd be amazed how many people uh, put money in that plate. Like, I don't know how much Carmen... I don't know how much a Carmen concert costs as far as his personal costs. You know, when you're touring, like, it costs money. But when you pass the plate, like, people would give. And, you know, I was always amazed by that, too. <laughs> I didn't, you know, give it a second thought back then, but now as an adult, I'm like, man, that's a pretty good gig. Like, you just tell people, give what you can, and more than likely, they'll give you something. So, I don't know how much money <laughs> Carmen made on the one end, but I know he probably made some good money on the other end. Uh, that's It is what it is. One of the one time we, we, we saw Carmen back in like 1991, and it was at Six Flags Great America. This is a a, a cool show. So at Six Flags Great America, they had like, they, they didn't call it like a Christian weekend, but they had a Saturday and Sunday where on Saturday they had Al Denson and Carmen. And then the following day, they had the Newsboys and DC Talk. And this was before like DC Talk blew up and before the Newsboys blew up. This was like, not Ashamed, Newsboys, and New Thang, DC Talk. Like, this is before Free At Last came out. Like, this is like... They're still rap, DC Talk. And I believe this was before Addicted to Jesus came out. It might have been around the time it came out. So you still got, like, all, like, the classic Carmen songs, and, you know, Carmen, you know, put on a really good show and at, at Six Flags Great America. Like, the guy had a you know he he had a vision for going to where the people were to put on the shows so you i always had a big respect for him because as an evangelist like he seemed to kind of back up what he was saying he didn't just go to churches which is a very popular thing that a lot of christian artists do they'll go to churches but they won't go to the bar they won't go to the hall they won't go to the arena they won't go to the six flags And Carmen went to the Six Flags and did his show and gave an altar call. Like, it was a Carmen concert. In 1991, Carmen would go on to release what would probably be his most iconic album, Addicted to Jesus. This is probably the album that most people, if they heard of Carmen, I guarantee you they've probably listened to or could tell you at least one song from this album. (laughs) And it's only nine songs on the album. But it's, it's an album that featured Petra on the opening track. It featured DC Talk on the title track. And this was when Petra released... At that time was probably their, their biggest commercial success in Unseen Power. And DC Talk at this time was still just a rap group. This was before Free at Last came out. Like, right before Free at Last came out. Which was... Which go on to be a really big album for DC Talk. Like, on the contemporary Christian charts, Free at Last was a best-selling album for... Months and months and months and months and months. It was a big album. Before Jesus Free came out. And for me, this is kind of... Like, Carmen has reached the nadir of his musical career, <laughs> in my opinion, because every song on this album seemed to have its own identity. Um, Revival in the Land, you know, that had some, you know, had the rap song, it had this and that, but uh, for the most part, Revival in the Land, every song sounded like it fit on this album, whereas Addicted to Jesus, every song had an identity. Our Turn Now, which was the opening track, was The Rock Song. Like, that was Carmen and Petra rocking out about prayer in school. <laughs> um, Addicted to Jesus, that was The Rap Song. Um, Satan Bite the Dust, another story song, but it was like a western tale about Christians overcoming Satan and his minions with the word of the testimony which was bullets in a gun like it, it was ridiculous and again this like revival in the land there w- there was a vhs tape that was released of all the music videos to these songs too so you can find these music videos online they're they're quite the thing but on this album it felt like carmen had kind of become kind of clownish in his approach to songs. Whereas he was, you know, cheesy and kind of fun and corny. You know, Resurrection Rap was corny, but it still felt like Carmen was just like, hey, I'll do this to reach people. Now, from this moment on in Carmen's career, it felt like he was really trying to, like, convince you that he was this character. Like, when he rapped and Addicted to Jesus, it felt like Carmen was like trying to be street. Like, he was trying to gain street cred, and you can listen to it. And, like the, the opening lines of the song, he's like, "Hey, what up, fellas? Yo, let's break it down." Like talk, <laughs> talking, like you know, he's trying to relate to the kids, right? It's not like Poochie from The Simpsons. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. What's going down? Like it, it's just bad. And the rap was bad, like, it's just so bad, like, shopping till they and hopping at the mall, like, in, at the mall, like, he's, you know, leaning into his slang, like, trying to sound hip, who else will they call, like, you know what I'm saying, like, ugh, it's just so bad and unnecessary, and then even, like, the messages of some of these songs, like, Our Turn Now, about prayer in schools, like, this was when Carmen, like, Carmen was always preachy, but this was, like, super preachy. Now it's like, we're dealing with, you want to know why there's so many, you know, problems going on in schools? Well, it's because God got taken out of schools. You can't pray in school anymore. It's like, the movie God's Not Dead, it's almost as if they just listened to the song and went, yeah, we could make a movie about this. Like, it's just really just ridiculous ideas for songs. Like, what we would now consider conservative talking points, like, these were all done and created by, <laughs> like, back in the early 90s. And the la- even the last song on the album, The Third Heaven, it's a departure from Carmen. The usually the last album, I'm sorry, the last song on his albums were, you know, a big story song like The Champion or Revival in the Land. And this one, it's the Third Heaven, it's more it's just a weird story song just about like dying and going to heaven. But it's not a happy song. It's not like a praise song. It's it's a weird, interesting. Song. It's, it's a weird choice to end the album on. But at this point in time, I, this was probably his biggest album. Like, it definitely his most popular album. Like, this was an album that you could find in regular music stores, not just the Christian bookstore. Like, it had crossover appeal. It was around this time that Carmen released a video series called Time 2. So, Time and then the number 2. And These were 30 to 40 minute videos. They released either monthly or bimonthly. They were done through mail order and through a subscription. You could could sign up, pay for it monthly, and then each month or every other month you get a video. And each one was a topic of, you know, peer pressure, gangs, drugs, homosexuality, racism, and all these topics and... You know, we would dive into what the Bible said about these things. It's time to... I don't know. Time to make a difference. Time to learn about these things. I don't, <laughs> it was never explained what the time to was. And these videos were presented... Almost in a... Like a TV show format. Carmen would come on the set... Which looked like the set of In Living Color. He welcomed the crowd. It was, it was with a live audience. It was a taped show, but it was a taped audience... And they'd show a video that kind of tapped into the the subject of the video. There'd be a musical guest. And then there'd be another video. <laughs> and then there'd end up being like a quick five ten minute lesson time. And then there'd be a Carmen music video. Th- that was usually the order of, of these videos. And I remember not particularly thinking there that good although the new age one for some reason i always thought that was probably the best one that they released at least back then i thought the skits were funny i'm sure if i watched it today i i wouldn't but you know i think i think that might have been a reason why carmen around addicted to jesus kind of went with this you know character yo what's up like the poochie reference (laughs) Because I think he was, at this time, trying to reach more youth. Like, reach high school, junior high, kids. I think. I think that's what he was trying to do. It makes the most sense to me as to why he would kind of go, like, really lean into, you know, I'm going to re- talk to you kids say and try to be where you're at. Th- that has to be the reason. I think. And then in 1993, Carmen would release the Standard, and at this time, like each album Carmen released was, it would gain more popularity within the Christian Christian world. So the Standard was a big album for Carmen, but musically he was no longer ahead of the curve. Like Addicted to Jesus, I said it was the nadir of his music, because it was 1991. So you had if you look at what was popular musically, nineteen eighty one, in the mainstream, it was eclectic. You had like that's when Nirvana Nevermind came out. Red Hot Chili Peppers with Blood Sugar Sex Magic. You had Pearl Jam. You had the grunge. And you also had you know think ninety one was when Def Leppard released Adrenalize. Like, you had, the, you still had, you know, Warrant, and you had these big metal bands, and you also had this new thing happening, and then you also had rap and hip-hop starting to make its way into the mainstream. It was a very interesting time. But now in 1993, it's Nirvana. It's, you know, rap is really popular now. Like, The Chronic had be, had come out. So like gangster rap, G-funk, this was cool like with the kids. Like Snow Informer and <laughs> like Gangster Lean and Hip Hop Hooray. Like that was the rap music that was cool. And now you had Carmen, you know, opening up his album with Who's in the House? JC. Like is ridiculous. It you know it, it <laughs> If you compare Carmen's music at 1993 to what was cool in the mainstream, Carmen, you know, while he was always kind of corny, this was beyond corny. This was just not cool. And he, you know, opens up his album with "He was born to a virgin named Mary on Christmas Day," like it's it was bad, like it was embarrassingly bad. I remember the first time when we bought that album. The, the cassette, and listen to it, and like, feeling like I kind of had to like it, because it was Carmen, and I, you know, still liked Carmen, and wanted to support him, like, we still would go see him live around this time, but, like, just knowing in my soul, <laughs> like, this was not good, and even, like, the the following songs on that album, like, now's the time, like, it, now's the time to celebrate when the Lord's your choice, Now it's the time to celebrate and make a joyful noise. Like, it was just not cool. It was like, ah okay. uh, And Great God was, like, the rock song. Possibly the best song on that album. And even then, like, that song sounded dated. Like, that song, Great God, could have been recorded in 1990, and you would never know the difference. So, you know, in the Christian bubble... This was, you know, it was Carmen and it was, yay, look what he's doing. He's releasing, you know, more songs that we like, but, like, it just was, it was no longer cool. Everything sounded very dated and it was not an enjoyable listen. It's, a, in my opinion, still probably at that point in time, his weakest album. Not if you're, if you're not counting, like, his early, like, first two albums. And it was also... (laughs) I mentioned, you know, Our Turn Now, being, like, political-minded with, you know, prayer in school. The last song on The Standard was a song called America Again. And Carmen always had a evangelical, semi-political, without it being a political message. And America Again was... It's something that you could hear nowadays and it would be very um, it would be very relevant to our political climate. And the song is about the Founding Fathers and America being a Christian nation and we need to turn back to God being the center of America again and all these issues with society. It all just stems back to well, it's because God isn't number one in America. We need to put God first in America again. I'd like to put a pin in this topic for now and get back to it in a little bit. Um, so it's around this time that I just was listening to a lot more... Um, well, a lot more. <laughs> a lot better music. <laughs> I was listening to... A, you know, I was discovering a lot of the bands that I would start to, you know, fall in love with. You know, I was listening to a lot more hard rock and heavy metal, um a lot of, you know, bands that I still to this day listen to, like Deliverance and Tourniquet and all the the, the Christian heavy metal and hard rock bands that I, you know, still admire. And then, over time, I started listening to you know, Tooth & Nail records and a lot of those bands. And so when Carmen released Riot in 1995, I believe. 95 or 96, I believe it was 1995. I really just kind of gave up on him. Like, I just had no interest in what he had to say because... Unless it was, you know, something that was relevant to what I was listening to, I just wasn't interested. So when <laughs> my mom bought the cassette and I listened to it the first time, I was just, nope, I'm I'm good. Like, it's... Riot was just totally dated music. It was just the same formula over and over and over again at this point in time. And it just wasn't anything I would be interested in listening to. The the title track riot it sounds like it's trying to be rhythm nation from like 1988 the the drum machine loop sounds like it came straight from 1990 like you know the song she drives me crazy by fine young cannibals that snare that very popular snare drum sound that's what this song had in 1995 a riot Webster's Dictionary says a riot is out of date, and the chorus sounds like a mix between "get, get down and boogie" and "play the funky music till you die," mixed with "we are a part of the rhythm nation," like we're gonna riot, like, we're going like we're gonna riot, like it's just not good at all. My story is ridiculous. The music video (laughs) is ridiculous. It's like someone gave Carmen a T-Bone album, T-Bone the rapper, and said, here, you should do this, Carmen. And Carmen said, you know what, I'm gonna reach all the cholos in East LA. And so you watch the music video and everyone's wearing the same flannel shirt, whether they're white, black, Hispanic. And there's Carmen in his, like, starter jacket and his shades, like rapping and like speaking Spanish like it's ridiculous the man literally says you know put down my pistola like what are you doing (laughs) again I understand the whole I want to reach everyone everyone needs the gospel but like be yourself dude Like, you don't have to be this character like yeah guys I can relate to you I'm gonna put down my pistola like even some of the lines of the song sound like they were completely ripped off from some of T-Bone's songs like the little references of like, the great I should die the way it's done it's almost like it came from 187 I'm Demons the T-Bone song like it's yeah I I listened to that album once and I was like no I'm good and so I just stopped listening to Carmen, like, he ended up putting out more albums, and the thing is, like, each album, from, like, a Revival of the Land, to Addicted to Jesus, to The Standard, to Riot, to what he would release later, it was Mission 316, which I think he released in 1997, 98, they would all sell really well, like, in the Christian charts, They would they would sell a lot of records, like, In that bubble, Carmen was still a big deal. And I think part of Carmen's appeal was because he was, you know, doing these rap songs and because he was doing these dance, hip-hop, whatever songs, I think parents looked at Carmen as the safe alternative because what was popular in 95, rap was a big deal. Well... Most parents didn't want their kids listening to, you know, what was popular, but you could listen to Carmen. He was safe. You know, I don't want my kids listening to those rock songs, but you could listen to Carmen. He's safe and he's giving them a message. So I think that's why Carmen would keep outselling himself. Because in the Christian bubble world, like he was safe and he was kid friendly and he was fun if you were young, Carmen was fun. Like I was obviously as I got older it kind of like wow, this this is corny. Like, <laughs> but if I was a kid when Riot or Mission 316 came out, I could see myself liking it. I mean, <laughs> even though he kept just recycling his stuff over and over and over, um Step of Faith was just another countryish song. Like Holding On was a countryish song. Like 1955 was kind of a early rock and roll rockabilly countryish song. I mean Shoot, Mission 316, the song The Courtroom, it was basically The Champion all over again except it was if you took The Champion and any other, you know, Revival in the Land, like it was that kind of song. It's Satan in a courtroom, you know, to God the judge, you know, you need to convict this sinner, and then here comes Jesus at the last second, I wiped his, wiped his, you know, his, 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 uh, his sins are removed, look at the book of life, it's like the same imagery, over and over and over again. But again, in the bubble, like, this is safe, so I get it. But I just, I just stopped listening altogether, like altogether. I hadn't listened to a new Carmen <laughs> album since Mission Three Sixteen, and so for years I just, I just kind of ignored Carmen. I had no clue what the band was doing or wasn't doing. I was on to <laughs> greener pastures musically. And then I found out, you know, Carmen um, was diagnosed with cancer, and, you know, I I don't wish cancer or sickness on anybody like that. And I was sad to hear it, because he was a, you know, hero of my youth. And I was so glad that he ended up recovering, and he would go back out and tour, and he kept putting out records. And, uh, you know, it wasn't anything I would listen to, but I felt happy for the guy, like, yeah, he overcame his his sickness, and he's still doing what he wants to do, like, that's great, and a few years ago, Carmen ended up passing away, Um, I believe he had another diagnosis, and just didn't make it, and so, when he passed, I started going back and listening to his music again, with new ears, And picking out the things I could appreciate about his music, and then also with a more critical ear, going, "Eh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Theologically, I don't know about that. That's kind of weak. It's weak arguments, right? And then I discovered something, and this is the pin that I'm picking up from America again. And I debated. I think why I've had such a hard time recording this episode. I debated if I'd bring this up. Because my goal with this podcast is not to get political. I don't want to get political on this. But I think when you are discussing Carmen's influence and his music, you have to at least acknowledge the political side to his music. Even though I don't know if Carmen would have said it was political. He was just, you know taking us back to the roots of America, is political. And I found out after he passed away that he wrote a song about Trump, Donald Trump, around the time, it was either around the time that Trump won the election in 2016, I don't know if it was after the election or not, but it was basically just praising Trump in like a like a bluesy acoustic guitar song. And, excuse me, again, not gonna get, trying not to get political with this, but it was very, I was very sad when I heard that. Because growing up, you know Donald Trump was the kind of person that Carmen would have called out and people like Carmen would have called out and said you know he's an idolater he's greedy he's uh he's an adulterer like these are these aren't the people we should be voting for we should be voting for Christians we should be you know bringing god back to america again by you know, standing behind good Christian men and women like the founding fathers, and then he writes a song, praising Donald Trump <laughs> and with America again, you know i had I had a coworker named John, and I remember a few years ago because we would talk about you know politics and everything, and John grew up Catholic, John was older than me, John was in his seventies, he ended up retiring. And he knew about my background. I grew up in an evangelical home. And it would, as I got older, kind of step away from that um, specific denomination of faith and kind of figured out my views and my religious beliefs one issue at a time, one thing at a time, and became, again, without... Getting into religion right now. Being very okay with I don't know. Finding peace with I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I'm okay with that. When I was young, you know, <laughs> back when Carmen was my guy, like, it was very much, it's all about Jesus. It's all about this. Life was very black and white. And Carmen's music is very black and white. And I remember John asking me, he goes, Brian, you grew up in evangelical. How is it that so many people who are Christian, like, fawn over Donald Trump? Like, isn't he, like, completely anti what these Christians, you know, believed? And I explained to John, like, a lot of, you know, the talking points, conservative talking points of that time with, you know, Christian nationalism and all these things, this had been going on for quite some time. And I specifically brought up Carmen's song America again, like back in nineteen ninety three like in nineteen ninety one these were talking points, even back then they they weren't in you know like most Christian artists around this time weren't necessarily like singing songs about God in America again, like if you listen to Michael Card or Stephen Curtis Chapman. Or Michael W. Smith at this time, like Michael W. Smith in the early '90s, I liked I love, I loved Eye to Eye and Go West, Young Man. They're still great albums. But Michael W. Smith in 1991, 92, 93 was more concerned about being a pop star. <laughs> Amy Grant put out Heart in Motion, and the biggest controversy about that was, you know, Christian bookstores. Some Christian bookstores refused to sell that album because in her music video she was singing to a man. And dancing with the man who wasn't her husband in Baby Baby. Like, these were the issues we were dealing with at the time. Not everyone was singing about, you know, America again. Like, you had, you know, for him with the basics of life. We need to get back to the basics of life. But political, God first in our politics, like, it wasn't a big selling point in Christian music. But there were some artists who would sing about these things. And a lot of... Some of these artists would... You know... Be guests on shows... On like TBN... Trinity Broadcasting Network... And Christian um, television. These people would go and sing songs... And talk about it. and It was a talking point back then... But it wasn't... The mainstream talking point it became. Like... Once Donald Trump came and basically just told the evangelicals, you vote for me, I'll give you what you want. That's when things changed. That's when the people who for years would use, and I've heard sermons, you know, people specifically calling out Donald Trump back in the 90s. You know, he's an adulterer, he's this and that. And these same people all of a sudden, like, no, he's, you know, God's messenger. He, he's not perfect. But he he's he says he's a Christian, and God can forgive anybody and work in anybody's life. These issues were nothing new. You know, there's nothing new about you know, the pro life movement. You know, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't surprised when things happened with you know the overturning of Roe v Wade. These are talking points and things that have been brought up in churches for decades and it just became mainstream. But if you grew up in the church, these were things you heard. So it was it's just it was you know, it's just sad to see. It's just sad to to see like this is what has become with church and with when people think Christianity, these are their first thoughts. it's just sad. You know, especially when you look back at, at, you know, being a kid and what Carmen's music meant to me then, and kind of what his legacy is now. You know, just bums me out a little. But I still, you know, I have good memories, too. Like, I... uh, you know, when you say Carmen, I don't just get into a funk and think, "Oh, he's a Trump supporter." Like that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm saying. Like with <laughs> with Carmen, like there's there's a lot of emotions and a lot of memories that get tied up into his music, and they're not all bad. It's mostly good. You know, and it's also just kind of funny when you think back to things you liked as a kid. <laughs> how ridiculous it is like it always it cracks me up when people you know i love you know i have a love for 80s and 90s pop culture that's you know my childhood and my adolescence but it's funny when people talk about how you know it's how great things were back then it's such a funny phrase because a lot of the things we grew up liking as children really weren't that great they were great because you were a kid and you didn't know any better or they were great because you you created such a love for that song or such a love for that television show or such a love for that movie that it just became a part of your identity and so you can't think of what your life would be like without that thing and Carmen, to me, is one of those things, like, he's a piece of childhood that I'll always appreciate having, like, I was a huge Carmen fan, that was part of my musical identity, was Carmen's music, and, like, like I said, it's not all bad, there's some good songs, too, like, there are some really good songs, like, if you, you know, I'm not, I doubt I'm ever going to do a Carmen discography or ranking the albums, but, you know, looking at even The Champion, like, The Destination Is There is a pretty cool song, like, The Champion, like, it. I don't know if I would say that's a very really good song, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's fine, like, it's fine for what it is, but, like, The Destination Is There, that's a cool song, Prepare to Die was a kind of a cool poppy song, um, he is the Son of God from Coming on Strong. It's a cool song. This thing is real. Like it kind of had like a Steely Dan vibe. Um, Radically Saved. Like it's that's a good. It's a good live album. It's fine. R- Revival in the Land it has some good songs. Uh, I got the Joy. That's a good upbeat pop song. Even Addicted to Jesus Holy Ghost Hop like it's a It's a catchy tune, like there's there's good stuff on his on his albums on most of his albums, so I can't sit here and be like, Oh, I'm just gonna throw out Carmen's music because of this like no th- there's good memories involved with it too, and I think that's when I think of his Carmen's musical legacy that's what I'm gonna hold on to. I hold on to the good memories, you know seeing him live with my parents. Like, going to Carmen concerts with my parents. You know, seeing Carmen at Six Flags. Which is... The f- <laughs> funny thing is... When I saw Carmen... That year, we saw Carmen at uh, Great America. We had season passes. So we saw Carmen and Al Densa. And the very next day, we saw Newsboys and DC Talk. Well, I also, that year, saw the Ninja Turtles live. So... <laughs> so, you know, good memories. There's good memories of listening to Carmen. It's not all down in the dumps. Ooh, it's cheesy, or oh, it's all, you know, he just put out the same record over and over again. There's good times with it. And if I'm going to, sh- you know, share my thoughts about music and what I love, sometimes you got to include <laughs> the embarrassing... Stuff as well. So that's Carmen's music and what it meant to mean. If you can identify <laughs> with any of this, feel free to share with me. Feel free to, if you have any memories of seeing Carmen live or watching his music videos or growing up with his music, I can be reached on my Instagram, catching up to everyone. Feel free to Reach out, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you, talk to you. I appreciate you listening to this episode. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. And until next time, I'm Brian Janot, and I'll catch up to you later.